I'm Kay Janes, and this is the podcast where we talk about your adult child and how to raise them so you don't have to raise your grandkids. Check us out at allgrownup.com or on Instagram at youradultchild. All right, welcome back, everybody, to our podcast. Uh, it's so good to be with you again this morning. I'm so happy to have Shauna Watson back here with us today, and, and we're excited about what we're going to talk about. We've already kind of started the discussion, and it's going to be better than I thought. <laughs> this morning when we were coming in, I was like you, I was thinking of just some different ways to approach this, and now that we've talked for a couple of minutes, I think this will be great. So do you want to introduce our uh, topic for today and what we're going to spend some time on? Yeah, so the topic of perfectionism is what we're going to be talking about today, and it's going to be a good one because that's one that I, I we see a lot, a lot of fuels so many other mm-hmm. uh, problems, and so we've actually had some requests for this topic. So yeah, yeah, this is our, this is our actually first uh, topic that was requested by listeners. So that's, yeah. that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I want to start off by asking a question that I loved your response to because you didn't have a response, you know, cause it was hard to say. And I have found this with everybody who says they're a perfectionist. If I ask the question, well, what is the purpose of perfectionism? And what did you notice when you were introduced to that question, what were some of the thoughts you had and what do you realize about the answer to that question? What is the purpose of perfectionism? Well, normally when you ask a question, I'll have things start popping in my mind. And I, and that one, I kind of, it went blank for a minute. Mm-hmm. And as I was trying to get the wheels turning and thinking, um, and then I just deferred back to you. Well, what do you think it is? Because <laughs> I know and I have lots of thoughts on perfectionism. But in yeah. this moment, I was like, oh, no, I'm going to do the wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not the wrong answer if it's an accurate description of what it... Well, so let's ask this first. For you, what what was the purpose of perfectionism? You know, you said you struggled with it and you spent time working on it. So yeah. for you, what was the purpose of it? What, what role did it play? It was, an, it was a lie. It was a thinking error, but it was to keep me safe in what I thought was safe. Oh, from what? Um, from feeling like a failure. I, I mean, okay. we could go into <laughs> lots of stuff. Well, there's one that's important to identify that one is I adopt perfectionism and use that as motivation so that I don't fail. Yeah. Right? So to stay well, away from failure. Well, it's an attempt failure. to having even feeling the feel of failure, which doesn't work. No. It does the complete opposite. That makes me laugh because you know what's funny? And I said this to you earlier. Anyone who says they're a perfectionist, if I follow up the que- the, uh, with this question, well, is it possible to be perfect? Guess what 100% of perfectionists say? No, because they, they hang on to that yeah, one. Yeah, it's impossible. <laughs> so you know what's kind of ironic if you're using perfectionism not to fail, and yet you've picked something that's impossible to do, there's no way not to fail. So right. there's a weird irony. That's why it's a thinking error, and that's why it's so off. What other reasons do you think people use perfectionism? Or they what, what else are people trying to get from being a perfectionist? I think it's a way to avoid uh, feeling the feelings we need to feel and I'm trying to just figure out how to explain that yeah. without going into a whole other thing but whether, actually I think that sentence really good say it again it's a way to avoid what feeling the feelings we need to feel oh. that are actually helpful and productive okay and they might be negative feelings and negative emotion but they're the emotions that we need to learn to feel 
disappointment. Yeah. Um, but not taken to an extreme because perfectionism truly is an addiction. Really, it's a belief system that um, you you think that ruins people. Yeah. You know what I've seen? <clears throat> a lot of these young adults that have come in, they use they say I'm a perfectionist. Because they, they, one of the addictions I've seen that's attached to this is the addiction of emotion and being a victim. Mm. Okay, because if you keep failing at this, then you're a failure and then you can wallow in it a little bit. I've also seen kids use this as an excuse not to try. And this is why. If I have to be perfect at things and I start to do something and I can't do it, I'll quit and I'll justify it by saying I'm a perfectionist. And because I can't do this thing perfectly, therefore I don't have to do it. And I shouldn't do it because it goes against my perfectionism. And it's just become an excuse to give up. Yeah. Well, I've seen that a lot, actually. And it keep, perfectionism keeps it keeps you living small for that same for that mm-hmm. exact purpose. You're afraid you're going to fail. Everything that comes with it. And another piece of that is all or nothing thinking. Yep. Perfectionists think in extremes. You know. Yep. Um, all or nothing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It also creates a pretty unhealthy amount of comparison. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Because how are you measuring your perfectionism? Right. You've got to use other people. You've got to use what's around you to measure if you're doing something perfect or not. You'll see this in sports. You'll see it in school. I see a lot with academics. Like school is a very... Academics, sports. Yep, sports. For sure. Anything that includes talents, you know, singing, dancing, anything that's... And it's, it's all external things. You know, people are, they they have to be perfectionists and it's always the stuff that someone else can see. That's what I was just going to say. It's, I've, I've noticed when, you know, I had someone call me just this week, uh, a teenager, she's involved in some sports and she's gifted. She does really, really well. And then I had a couple clients this last week that, um, it's the gifted, really, uh, they're, they're achieving really high results and so the pressure that then is happening and the perfectionism that is happening because they are getting so much praise and it's all well-meaning from coaches and parents but it's almost buckling like they're almost panic freezing and we have to always go back to worth and a bunch of other things that i'm sure we'll get into but it is i just noticed the the ones that are doing well or within a church culture they look like they're doing perfect. everything right, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The righteous, the super righteous. Yeah. No, absolutely. No, I'm. I'm. One thing that came to my mind was another question, actually, because you've you've alluded to it, and we haven't we haven't actually had our podcast yet on the six C's, where we talk about comfort. Oh uh, yeah. And how we worship comfort, right? I, one thing that I've seen in one of the, I feel like a purpose. For the someone to choose perfectionism is actually a worship of comfort, right? Because of all those things you just, you know, if you think about it, you said you stay small, you don't try, you, everybody wants to have no, and the definition of comfort is no pain or anxiety, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And perfectionists, they actually despise pain and anxiety, despise it. 
So an anecdote for perfectionism and all the unhealthy things it produces is actually a healthy understanding of the doctrine of discomfort and the role discomfort plays in our life for good when we understand it. I like to ask a similar question to what I asked earlier. What's the purpose of perfectionism? I like to ask the question, what is the role of discomfort in our growth? And what have you experienced with growth? What role does discomfort or pain play in growth? Well, it's the only way to grow is to be able to, and that's what I was alluding to earlier, is the capacity to feel the negative emotion. Because if you're going to go, we use this a lot just with the age group we work with. Okay, if I want to go ask somebody on a date, Mm -hmm. I have to be willing to feel the feeling of rejection. They may say no. They may, you know, if I'm going to go apply for a job, I have to be, I have to be able to feel the feeling of disappointment or again, rejection or embarrassment or whatever those negative emotions are. You know, another one that's in there too. I have to be willing to be measured by someone else and be okay with it. Because think about both those things, a date and a job interview, you're putting yourself in a situation where someone else is measuring you Mm -hmm. and then making a decision based on what they experience when they're with you. Yeah. Yeah. And if your worth comes from other people, that's a horrifying experience because if you don't get the yes when you ask on a date or you don't get the job, then now your worth is, you know, in the toilet. Yeah, because perfectionism is completely worth from man, worth from others. The approval of others and well-meaning parents um, really can set the seeds for this when they compliment their kids. It's interesting to see. I had a, a client tell me, not too long ago that their parents had told them you're a quick fixer and they meant it as a compliment that wow you're able to kind of look at a problem and then do something about it and he took that and then it became this pressure I have to fix everything on my own I have to fix it really fast and I have to you know and this is a a gifted athlete and good student and everything but a lot of the praise we receive you see this too becomes part of our identity and our, our just our worth It's so much of a worth. Based on what? So one good tip for parents is praise effort, not accomplishment. Mm -hmm. But then don't let the pendulum swing to where little, you know, we talk about everyone gets a trophy. Now, there's actually some healthy, I I grew up playing sports. I grew up in a family full of boys. I 100% don't believe everyone should get a trophy just for doing something. But I also learned trophies don't matter. That's why I don't care one way. You know, the, the trophy doesn't matter. The effort does. Effort is what should be measured and what should be talked about. And be very careful on using accomplishment. I mean, I, I know I know of parents that have said, you know, their daughter comes home upset because she got a low grade compared to somebody else in the class. And the parent's response was, well, at least you're prettier than they are. Oh. oh. You know what I mean? And that that can that can cause some, <laughs> some <Yeah>. issues. <laughs> well, and even and with the grades, even watching with my own kids, when they would come home and they, they are good students, but I if they got a A minus or a B plus or a B or a B minus, mm-hmm. my brain automatic it's the way our brains are wired, but it automatically goes to well. Why didn't you get an A? Especially if it's an outlier or if they get all B, whatever they yeah. are, you know, your brain automatically goes to, well, why didn't you get this? And instead, I actually, now with my youngest, my daughter, 
I kind of don't want her to get a 4.0 because I see that it drives that I have to be perfect. Yeah. And so I'm, I want just her best effort. Yeah. And so there's lots of conversations around taking tests and everything. So many great opportunities for reminders of where does your worth come from? Yeah. Who's your real father? Where yeah. is, is this test all who you are? Yeah. And they can just happen on the moment, on the, on the fly of reminding them, where's your identity? Where's your worth? Is it in this test? Is it, you know? Well, and you're only going to be able to do that as a parent if you can see that your worth is not determined by your kids' successes or failures. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And that's the only way a parent can actually have healthy conversations around this is the parent needs to come to come to a clear understanding that... And, and here's one thing I will acknowledge, and this is why it's so hard. Watching your kid do something well in front of other people... And the other people cheer because of it is like crack cocaine. Oh my gosh, that's what I was going to say. It's like the biggest. Oh, <laughs> it is the biggest injection of I am an amazing human being as a parent because my kid just did something that other people are cheering for. And if you even experience that once, it's like a drug. That's not an inappropriate analogy. It is a drug hit. It is, a, it is. similar to heroin. It, it's, it's a high that is, you can't explain it unless you've experienced it. And it's not very many human beings that can experience that and go, oh, that's unhealthy. I need to make sure I don't keep pursuing that. That's the opposite. Parents are like, that's the best thing I've ever felt in my life. How can I get more of that? All right, Jimmy, get really good at baseball. Because when you made that one good hit, when you were in T-ball and everyone cheered, now I want you to do that for the next 10, 12 years. Mm-hmm. And I want to experience on a varsity level. I want to experience it in college. If we can go pro then I now have drugs for the next 20 years. And very few people look at that honestly and go, well, that's not real. Like, that's that's not a realistic thing. Well, the word that always comes to my mind with perfectionism is never enough. So a perfectionist never gets the satisfaction, the feeling of, I did that. And that is so motivating in a healthy way. You know, if we embrace um, the good. If we look in the Bible or when, you know, God created, he created the earth you know, mm-hmm. and he looked and it was good. He was not, it was perfect. It was, and so embracing the good in, in that you can tell almost when you're reading or learning about the, the creation story that he would, he had a feeling of satisfaction. Glad you brought that up because our good friend, John talks about this a lot. Gratitude. Mm. That's another antidote for um, perfectionism because perfectionism does require that everything's just right. And then you start to pick things apart. You start to pick yourself apart. You pick others apart. If you're grateful, there's no need for perfectionism, right? If you're grateful for the talents and gifts you have, that your kids have, the opportunities you have, perfectionism just goes away. Right. Gratitude is a huge piece of that. Which is so good because that's going to chase away the fear. Because perfectionism yeah. really is rooted in, it's in fear. Yep. F- fear of, that's just its roots. And so the grat- gratitude is is super powerful. So going back to something we said earlier, the doctrine of discomfort. I've heard it put this way too. Divine discontent. I really like that as well. Because those things are necessary for growth. So the doctrine of discomfort is what you said it earlier. It's for any growth to take place, there's going to be some pain or discomfort because things are being stretched. Just like when muscles are muscles get bigger when they're torn apart and then they rebuild. And our spirit's the same way. Our mind is the same way. It requires a breaking down, um, stretching, 
and then it comes back stronger and with more. There's something we all need to understand, and that's this. We're going to experience pain. We just get to choose if that pain is going to have purpose. And when we're intentional and we do things that are right, it is uncomfortable because our natures are, have both sides to it. We want to do things we're not supposed to, and we do want to do things we're supposed to. And when we choose to do things that are right, even though we, we don't want to, that's uncomfortable up front. It is hard to let go. And letting go of perfectionism is going to feel the same way. I, you talked about you trying to work through it. Was it uncomfortable trying to let that go? Oh, yeah. But is it more painful holding on to it? Yeah, well, and it causes all kinds of damage. That's right. In relationships and my my happiness level, my relationship with God, it's it's just it's, it's super toxic, especially parent to child. And here's one on that note. Here's a question for parents: How do your children experience you if you struggle with perfectionism? And more importantly, how do your children experience themselves when they're around you if you're a perfectionist? And that's something I think if we can chew on. Now, if your kid's a perfectionist and you're not, you know what I mean? You're just like, man, just calm down. Or, I see that. Yeah, I yeah. see that too. I see that a lot. I mm-hmm. see a lot of kids. And if you're not a perfectionist as a parent, there's things you're probably, like you said earlier, you're not trying to, but there's probably things you're saying that might be making it worse. But here's some things you can ask your kids to help them chew on it. And it's stuff we've already asked today. So one thing to ask your kid, if they're a perfectionist, help them have some accountability around it. Like, like I did with you at the beginning. It's like, okay, what's the purpose of your perfectionism? And your kids are going to say things like, well, I have to do everything right. And when they say those things, ask more questions like, who said you have to do everything right? Well, I feel pressure. Okay, you feel pressure, but why do you feel pressure? Where is that? Who told you? What's the truth? Because with thinking errors, they're always lies. Yeah. So you'll see your kids thinking errors around perfectionism when you ask things like, what's the purpose of perfectionism? How is this affecting you? And they'll say things that you'll you'll see are blatant thinking errors and just be really safe and open when they say those things, but do the best you can to expose them to truth around their thinking errors. So if a kid says, well, I have to do it this way, ask them, who says you have to do it that way? Well, and they may say, well, you do. Say, well, tell me more about that. What do you mean? Because I don't, I don't want that. So if I've said something, what have I said or done to make you think that? Because I want to change it. Right? Well, you said one time, and I actually had a client tell me their anxiety came. They came home one time, and they were a straight-A student, student body government, active in sports, like as good as there is. That student came, that, that, that client came home one day and they had a B plus. And all the dad said was, well, like you said a minute ago, why did you get a B plus? That's it. That's all the dad said. And it put this kid in a spiral, a spiral. The parent had no idea, zero idea. And I think if a kid would have said, well, this and this, and this is why I got a B plus. I really believe the dad would have been like, oh, okay. Right. The, like the dad wasn't like, "Hey, you don't matter anymore because you got to be plus." Dad was like, "No, you usually get A's. What's up? Just being more curious than critical." But the kid didn't take it that way. Yeah. So when that kid comes home with a B plus or whatever the grade mm-hmm. is, I try to turn it around curiosity. So yeah. what do you think about that? Because then you're gonna find out 
oh, I'm so mad at myself. You know, it's going to expose the lies. Yes. Or you might find out, I actually feel good about myself because I know I couldn't have done any more. Great. That's so, and then you can then say, that's yep. incredible. And you're talking about effort rather than the Then outcome. the kid feels the relief of, oh, it's okay. And they learn that. I, I really think parents need to look at perfectionism like cancer. And by creating a safe place for your kid, you're letting them be cured of that cancer. And you're being, but if you are saying and doing things to make it worse, you're killing them faster. Yeah. Well, okay. So speaking to this, because a common, I can speak to this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a common thinking around perfection with perfectionists is I, they think I just want to do my best. I want to give my best effort. Like they, it's getting convoluted with thinking of actually of what we're talking about. It's just like, it's off a little bit. Yeah. You do want to focus on effort and in their minds they've convinced themselves this is how I do my best work or I just want to do a really good job I want to be proud of myself so questions that instantly pop into my mind is so is your definition of the doing your best doing everything perfect and if they say yes then just then go back to well is it possible to be perfect so this is, I don't want to be mean, but this is what I'm thinking in my head too, is <laughs> if you want to be your best, don't be a moron. Because if you think you can do things perfectly, you're being a moron. So you want to be your best self, be honest. Isn't yeah. that your best self? Like being perfect is impossible. So if you're holding on to that and that's your best, then you need to pick a different best. And the other question that popped in my head, be best at what? being a balanced, realistic, healthy-minded person or a psycho who thinks they need to do everything right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because that's what's really going on when someone says, I need to do my best and do everything right, but I know it's impossible to be perfect. It's like, that does not go together. Like mm -hmm. You can't have those two thoughts coexist. And that's I compare this a lot too, is that's like somebody who's saying, I don't want the, the sun shouldn't come up. I don't want the sun to come up. You know, and I believe it shouldn't come up. And yet they know every day it's going to come up. Why is that such a silly battle to fight? Well, and when you are, it's, it's, I don't know what the word is, trained into us from experiences so young. So for myself, yeah, yeah. I started the piano so young. And by the time I was in middle school, it was two hours a day. And I was studying at the University of Utah under their classical program. I mean, in it, you want to talk about definition of perfectionism. Yeah. It's one note or the beats off just a hair. And I mean, you, so your ear gets trained for every, the slightest imperfection. Yeah. And that is, you know, that is where, and then you go into a recital and, and it can get really easy to think that things have to be perfect in order yeah. for it to be good. And that is not the case. And it, it does. It keeps us living small. It keeps oh, us from man. ever going out. But that is that is the big basis for me in my perfectionism because it felt I got a high when I would play and it was perfect and I would get the praise of the people around me, parents, yeah. teachers, whatever you and your and your fingers are just flying just right. I know you're an athlete and you think music's are, musicians are nerds, but no, I'm impressed. <laughs> that for me really, oh, yeah. and it feels like a locked in perfectionism is, a, is a rigid, uh, I can, I know what it feels like in my body yeah. and I don't like it, but it's kind of, it feels like you get locked into it oh, just yeah. as somebody else with something else, which incidentally, since I always seem to tie things back to pornography, my clients, well, that's because that's how many what they struggle with. 
the clients that struggle with perfectionism, the pornography they search out, it is even, it manifests in the pornography they search out. Wow. So they've been able to identify, they're always looking for the perfect, the perfect girl, the perfect everything, everything has to look perfect, even in the pornography they're searching out. Mm-hmm. So that was a side note. Now no, we can come back to... that's super interesting. That's a good insight. Hmm. Well, yeah, because whatever, I mean, in regards to pornography, whatever you you struggle with worth-wise, that's the pornography you're going to go look at. So if I'm a guy and I feel a little invisible and I wish a girl would like approach me or pursue me or see me, that's the pornography you're going to watch if you, you know, so bringing it back to perfectionism. But, um, Mm -hmm. so for me, that is really where a lot of the roots, um, came. And two, when you're, if you have a child that's super talented and better at something than you are, that makes it actually even harder. And this is why. So I am an athlete, but I have a father who is twice the athlete I ever even came close to being. And he made it all the way to the professional level. And he saw it for what it was. He had a healthy view around it. And so I never, as I struggled, because I had to do everything right in sports, it was really interesting having him there to balance things out and be like, son, you're doing a good job. And by the way, this will all end someday. And it's not the most important part of you. And I could believe that because he had gone. Oh, man, that's so amazing. All the way to the top. So he had a sure knowledge of, hey, just so you know, even if you make it to the top, it's still not who you are. And I couldn't ignore that because he'd been there. And then for his benefit, he didn't have to live through any of us. You know, if he would have been 130 pounds and small and slow, and then he has these giant sons who are super athletic, I don't think he would have been able to handle it the same. Because he would have felt the rush through his kids, but he'd already been there, already done that, already knew what the result was. And I think that's what's hard, too, is because really talented kids are usually more talented than their parents at whatever they're good at. Does that make sense? And in that case, the parent's not going to hold back. They're going to keep pushing it. And that makes it worse. And so having experienced that now that I'm older and looking back on it, I didn't realize how lucky I was as a kid to have that. But it's sure been. And I have all my brothers played Uh, college sports and all of them had a healthy view around it because dad had gone farther dad knew what to say dad knew and we had all seen dad go that far well actually he did it before we were even born but we saw the dad who all we knew was the dad who was done playing sports so we only knew him as a dad as a husband as a you know employee and employer and all those things that were realistic so well, I hope I hope today's been useful for parents. If you feel even more worried about your child's perfectionism, just some overall principles. Help like anything else. Thinking errors are involved with perfectionism. And thinking errors go away when they have to be voiced or written down or put out there for everyone to see and then they're replaced with truth. That's the number one way to help with thinking errors and have someone be accountable around that. And then as a parent, you just have a really good look at yourself. What role has perfectionism played in your life? And how how can you let it go and replace it with truth so that you and your kids can be freed from it? Because you think it's safe to say, Shauna, that if a parent struggles with perfectionism, the kid's going to feel it? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of don't think, I don't know how that wouldn't be the case. Well, yeah, because they're worth, and and I just need to close, not close, but I need worth. The moment I started to get traction with my perfectionism and being able to lay that aside and Mm -hmm. kind of move on from it 
and it still creeps up in different ways, but it's way um, more manageable. Yeah. But the moment I was able to get some traction is when I fully understood or started to get a better glimpse of how my father and my savior view me. And so I always knew as a kid, especially being outdoors or in, in as a teenager it, through music, I had a sense God loves me, mm-hmm. but that wasn't enough. I, as, as I kind of stepped into fully uh, really experiencing that love and that he's loved me even before, and it's separating the accomplishments, separating all yeah. of that from my worth and my identity, that is when I was able to start getting getting traction. And so, so much of this is just anytime I, I'm struggling with perfectionism, I go back to, okay, what am I afraid of? What am I avoiding feeling? What am I, and then worth. And yeah. then as soon as you tap somebody back into that, cause like the one girl I was talking about earlier that, um, as she's running and she's doing really, really well. And I, and as I t- push on her okay, well, who made it possible for you to, to run fast, who made it like, where is the praise going? Yeah. Cause it's redirecting the praise to where it belongs. And she struggles with this. She's like, well, but it's, I did this. I'm the one showing up to practice. I'm the one that's doing these things. And the unwillingness <laughs> to kind of let God yeah. have his due, cause it doesn't mean we do nothing, but in bringing his, um, glory into it. I don't know if you need to put words, like summarize what I'm saying <laughs> to make it make sense. No, for I people, appreciate but... you saying it. I'm even feeling it as you, as you're, as you're saying it is, is giving God the appropriate credit. Yeah. You know, for it's, I kind of think of this, you have children. Have you given them cars to drive? Yes. Well, it's just that kid just needs to recognize who gave him the car. You know what I mean? And our bodies are that way. Our talents are that way. It's Those were God-given things. Those aren't things that we created from thin air. And it's just that. It's just a healthy sense of gratitude and understanding of where, and that's what I hear you saying. And that is, it is so good when someone can do that. Yeah. It's so helpful. And then you show up from a place because I want to do well because I want to do well and it yeah. feels good, not because my worth is tied up in it and... Yeah. And the creepy stuff that happens. And I'll finish with this. This is what I learned. With any talents that I have. Because some of my talents have gotten me attention. Learning that, okay, it gets that attention. So how do I aim that attention back to God? You know what I mean? Like through either athletics or I'm very comfortable speaking and teaching. And that's gets a people attention. If I, okay. And when I do that, when I ask that, okay, how do I aim it back to him? Then I don't get caught up in it. Mm-hmm. Then I, it's what's really interesting. I don't need it. Yeah. When I'm aiming it towards him. You know what I mean? But if I need it, that's when it's all self-centered. Yes. Right. That's when, it, and that's when it's unhealthy. That's when it becomes like a, an, an unhealthy drug or an inappropriate drug. Well, thank you. Great job today. This is this discussion. I was, I'm excited about what, what we talked about today. And I hope that it's useful for not only young adults, but their parents as well. I think it will be because the other thing is there's a lot of the modern, uh, the more modernized cultures in the world today. It's not just the United States, but any modernized country. I actually think this is a problem, especially in religious cultures as well. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's just something to be aware of.
Well, until we meet next time, good luck this week. Keep going. And again, if you have any recommendations on topics you'd like us to look at, we'd love to hear it. And of course, we'd spend some time on it. So have a great week. And until next time, just keep going.